and welcome to Discuss, a podcast which tries to encourage open and honest conversation around various topics and social issues. This podcast is hosted by me, Hayley Rose Dean. Each week, I'll be inviting a guest onto my podcast to have a discussion around a different topic that's relevant and relatable in the world today. If you do enjoy listening, then I'd really appreciate some encouragement and feedback in the form of rating and reviewing this episode, which takes just a few minutes of your time. You can subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes, and it also really helps others to find the podcast. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back. On today's episode, I talk to youth activist and university student, India. We discuss the difficulties of moving to university during a global pandemic and why it is so important to reach out and seek help if you're feeling like it's impacting your mental health. India talks at length about her activism around anti-racism and Black Lives Matter, including her thoughts on the reactions to the Sainsbury's Christmas advert and why she was not shocked by it. We also talk about online platform that she co-founded called the Speak Up Space. And at the end of the episode, we do have a bit of a laugh about how not funny it is that our sex education was so bad and how the Speak Up Space are trying to provide an element of re-education for people, including why you should always use lube if you intend to have anal sex. And on that note, let's get on with the episode. Hi, India, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? I'm good after I've just had an off-air rant to you <laughs> about my stressful day but it's fine we got it out of the way it's all good um on a more positive spin India the first thing I get everyone who comes on the podcast to do is recommend something to read something to watch and something to listen to what would your recommendations be so in terms of reading I'm currently reading A Curious History of Sex by Kate Lister Ooh. um it's so good honestly it's a recommendation to everyone. Um, and then in terms of what I'm watching, I'm watching Succession. Um, but you can find that on Now TV is where I'm watching it. Um, and then Listen. I've been listening to um, Hosier a lot. His album, Wasteland Baby. It's just incredible. I have not read, watched or listened to any of those things. So this is why I love doing this because I get all these recommendations. I've not even heard of Succession, but I have heard good things about um, Kate Lister's book. It, I, I can't, I just can't. It's so funny yet so informative. Okay, I'm adding it to my TBR, my to be read. Um, India, for anyone who's here and they don't know who you are and they're not familiar with your work or with you on social media, can you just explain a bit about who you are and what you do? So I'm India <laughs> um, and I am an activist and I kind of focus on anti-racism and intersectional feminism, co-founded a safe space um, for survivors of sexual violence and harassment um, called the Speak Up Space. And then I'm also just kind of one of those people that I always end up doing like bits and bobs and talking about like all sorts of random stuff. So <laughs> I'm a, a jack of all trades, I guess. <laughs> you have like lots of strings to your bow. You're one of those people you talk about, yeah, loads of different stuff, but I think it's really great. I think it's really cool. Um, something that we were talking about the other day, which sort of led to this podcast happening because we were like, no one ever talks about this, is about the fact that you've just gone to uni and going to uni is hard, which I think I have a lot of experience in that and that it's really challenging and people don't really talk about it. But not only have you just gone to uni, you've gone to uni in a global pandemic. 
What has that been like? It's been quite the experience, I have to say. Um, it's just, it's very isolating and mm. feels quite lonely generally as well, because you're like, it's just so hard to meet people. And yeah. it's like, I've been blessed with really lovely flatmates that I feel really comfortable around and can hang out with. But it's like, outside of that, you don't know anyone and you really, really have to go out of your way to meet people. But now obviously we're in a second lockdown. It's sort of, you don't want to then be breaking rules to try and make friends. So it's, yeah, it's it's an odd one because I think it would be hard enough without having to do all of your classes online and not really having like proper friends or anything. Um, but then obviously, yeah, you've just got that extra layer. Yeah, completely. I feel like you've been completely robbed of the experience of uni and that first term. And for so many people, for me, it was. And for a lot of people, I don't know if it was for you. It's the first time you've ever lived away from home. And it's supposed to be like really big and exciting. But I can't imagine what it must have been like to have had however many months of lockdown we had and then be going straight off somewhere new. Because, yeah, that must what was what was it like? I can't even begin to like explain how strange it was because mm. you can't you can't adjust how you would have before you're not you don't feel very busy because it's literally you wake up you get out of bed and then you go and sit at your desk in the same room it's not like okay I'm busy because I need to wake up at this time be ready by this time and then I need to walk to the lecture hall or whatever there's there's none of that it's just you even though you have stuff to do you just your brain doesn't feel as occupied as mm. it should do and it's hard to kind of yeah just fill the time almost so it it's just strange and then there's you just don't have your family around as well and you know my mum works full time so I can't just call her anytime I want you know like it can be the middle of the day and I'm like oh don't you know what to do now I can't school her and I'm sure that's the same for a lot of other people so it's just intense is the word perhaps yeah I feel like everything you just sort of described I felt like that anyway when I moved away and went to uni so I can't imagine that added layer of like you said we're in lockdown we're in a pandemic you can't really leave your room that often you're really restricted as to where you can go and I really, really struggled with that first term of when I moved away to uni and I was, I was the unhappiest I've, I've ever been in that term. I really struggled and not everyone has an experience like I did, but I think a lot of people do. And then some people go on and have a positive experience. It's just that first term that's difficult. And so I really feel for anyone who's struggling right now, because I feel like it's not really spoken about much anyway. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. No, literally, like my mental health took a total downturn mm. when I came here because, you know, you're feeling isolated as it is. But I'm I really run off the energy of other people. I love socializing with people. I really loved going to work, doing my job, getting to talk to people all day. It was great. And then suddenly I come here and I can't do that anymore. I leave my room to go to the kitchen or I'll leave my room to go and do my food shop and then I'll come back to my kitchen and then to my room and then that's all I do um so it's just 
it's just so difficult and you're you're trying to make friends but you can't because everything's online and people feel awkward talking and you don't really know your tutors and you start to I I had this big thing of like oh my goodness am I even doing the right thing so I started off taking politics and now I take sociology um so I was like okay maybe a subject change will help and the subject change has helped but there's just still this sort of down feeling that I have a lot um and I'm really lucky in that my university has kind of sorted help for me and my mental health quite quickly I contacted them and then they referred me to a counsellor literally within a couple of days but I know that it's really not like that for so many other people and it's not okay Mm. that's so amazing actually because I was going to ask you when you talk about your mental health how the support has been because I had a very similar thing I went to uni I I mean everyone has mental health but I'd never really been in a place where I'd felt how I then felt within like a few months of being at uni kind of around this time like you've been there a couple of months and just a nosedive my mental health it was it was so bad um and I didn't I didn't get any support but I also didn't seek support and I didn't know you know I went to uni like we were talking quite a while ago like nearly 10 years ago for me and I just didn't get any I didn't even know how to reach out so did you kind of know what to do like did did you have a number did you have support from a tutor obviously you don't have to go into like huge details but did you think oh okay I need some help and like I know where to go for it because I just never felt like that well my best friend kind of had to like push me into it because I was Mm. like "Mm, maybe I'll reach out maybe I won't probably won't even though it was like at the point where I just I was waking up at like 2 p.m and I cried every day for no reason um but she was just like you need to find out where you get the help and you just do it you need to apply you deserve help um and so I I had to kind of search on the website a little bit because I wasn't totally sure it wasn't wholly obvious and the like process that you have to go through is a bit odd as well because the there's no sort of specific application for just like oh you just want general help or like something has happened to you so you have to go through the same process of like the the same process of someone that has like been through something like specific like in a specific event has happened so they're they're asking questions like when was the incident and I'm like there was no incident Mm. every day is an incident (laughs) um so like that is like a bit intimidating and sort of it made me feel a bit like oh am I going to be wasting their time um but once I was kind of you know like I went through with it and I did it it was they were they were very like proactive about kind of getting me help and all of that stuff so like that was good in that respect but I think it probably could have been made slightly easier and more obvious and you know I don't know even just during like welcome week or something or putting Mm. like stickers on the back of your door or something just saying if you need support this is where you can go yeah completely especially at the moment with everything that's going on because surely there's more anticipation of students wanting to seek out those services as a result of this really bizarre situation you found yourselves in being in uni during a global pandemic I just can't I just can't even imagine it and I think it's really interesting because I think that um 
it's brought to the surface some things that have probably needed to be discussed anyway. I did not go to uni during a global pandemic. I went to uni and I was like really happy, really um, excited to go. And then when I got there, I had a really awful experience where I really just was not enjoying it at all. Um, And I was having a really hard time. My halls were really difficult. I didn't live with like particularly great people and that exacerbated the whole situation. And I wasn't enjoying my course. And I always think at the moment when I think about YouTube, I think I don't actually even know what I would have what I would have done um, during a pandemic. And I was just wondering how much do you think what you've sort of like felt and experienced is because of the strange circumstances of it being a pandemic and how much of it you think you might have felt anyway? Because I think a lot of students like have those experiences anyway, but they just feel like they're a minority. I remember feeling so alienated and feeling like no one else felt like me. Everyone else was having this amazing time and like loving uni and loving freshers. And I know you haven't had a chance to like have your freshers and have the parties and everything, but I did. And I still was like spiraling and feeling really terrible. So I'm just curious to know if you like how much of it you think is like pandemic related and how much you think is actually just linked to the whole experience of moving away to uni. And it is difficult regardless of the circumstances. I have a feeling I probably would have felt like this anyway, but it was intensified by the pandemic and the lack of sort of in-person contact. Um, Because yeah, it just like, I think, you know, going away to uni is isolating as it is because you're moving away from everything that you've known, or at least for most people it is. Mm. Um, But then also, yeah, like the fact that I just don't even feel like I really know my lecturers and I feel like weird about contacting them for help because I'm like I just don't know you like I don't I don't even know how tall you are <laughs> I don't know it's just right. like these I don't know my brain is like India can you contact them I know that's what they're there for but they don't know you it's like how do you approach them and I don't know like I just constantly have these like sort of little stressed and anxious feelings of like oh should you do that I don't think you should I don't know <laughs> No, completely. But it's so, it's so understandable because it is so I can't imagine how odd it feels. And also, I wanted to say that, like, I'm really glad that you did seek help. And it's really nice to know that you had a friend who felt that they could approach you like that. And also just really well done to you for actually doing it, because sometimes the hardest thing is to reach out and get help. I know that when I was at uni and I was feeling awful I didn't tell anyone like no one knew and I remember I came home because I went to uni like actually quite far away from where I live I was like a five-hour train journey away and I remember when I went home for Christmas and everyone was just like she's different like I just wasn't the same and they were that was like sort of the first time people had seen me and they were like she's just not her she's just so different um and I ended up like really spiraling because I didn't get help although interesting actually I told you about this the other day which I think is like really interesting I took myself to a couple of like out of hours doctor surgeries so like you know the ones that aren't A&E but they're like open doctor surgeries that you can just like walk into do you know what I mean so those services that are open sort of out of hours but they're not A&E like they're not a hospital so it's like if you're not potentially like dying, like obviously if you think you're dying, you 100% go to A&E. But if you just think something's like not right and you can't put your finger on it and you need to see, you want to see a doctor, you can go to these walk-in centers. So I twice when I was at uni took myself to two different walk-in centers because I thought, I actually did think I was like 
dying in inverted commas in that like I thought I was having an allergic reaction I thought my throat was closing up and I was scared that I was going to die because I thought I was going I was having I'd eaten something and I had an allergic reaction just for context I've never had an allergic reaction in my life and I literally (laughs) thought that's what was happening to me and this happened to me twice in the space of like I can't remember. It would have definitely been not longer than like six months apart, the incidents. And I took myself to walk-in centers and like waited for ages. And I was sat like basically hyperventilating in the waiting rooms. And then I got in and um, both doctors that from two different surgeries were like, looked in my throat and stuff. And they said, oh, I mean, you just started uni and I just think you've got anxiety. And that was literally all they said to me, just anxiety. That's literally all they said to me. Just think you've got anxiety, started uni, you've moved away from home. You know, like really what felt really patronizing at the time. So yeah, it's just, I just think it's anxiety. And one time I remember I'd taken one of my housemates, she'd come with me. And I remember feeling so embarrassed that I'd like dragged her there because I thought my throat was closing up because I thought I was having an allergic reaction and then basically just got told, you've got anxiety love off you go uh, oh, and so that I, was it's so bad isn't it I, I, I just don't even have words it's just so insensitive and just completely like anxiety is so big it's not just anxiety you know like Mm. I mean especially if you literally think your throat is closing up like that's quite severe I genuinely (laughs) thought my throat was going to close up and I was going to die and I remember sitting in like the waiting rooms and thinking it's going to get worse in a minute it's just going to my throat's just going to close and I'm going to die and like that's going to be it because they didn't see me in time because they don't think there's anything wrong with me and so when you're in like that headspace it's so hard when someone then just says oh you've just got anxiety and I remember thinking to the doctor like no I'm gonna like if you send me home I'm gonna die like that's literally what was going through my head and I had to deal with all that at uni and I like and I just think obviously that's quite a um a specific personal example of something that I went through and that happened to me but also it's just really nice for me to hear that you access mental health services in a way that has helped you and that you know you weren't dismissed maybe it would have been different if I'd have tried to do it through the uni but I think I was just put off talking about anything because I felt so embarrassed and I felt so ashamed of the way I felt and I don't know if that's like a feeling that you can relate to like at all for feeling like alienated like it's abnormal to move away to uni and then feel the way like that you've described in the way that like I felt at that time if that makes sense oh definitely I mean that that's why it took my best friend pushing me to do it because I was just Mm. I was so like but I don't I don't have any diagnosed mental health issues therefore I don't need help why would I need help I would just be wasting their time I don't deserve Mm. their help because I don't have a mental illness therefore just why why would anyone need help and then I just had to kind of like take this step back and be like oh wait no okay everyone has mental health and it's like no not everyone has mental illness but we all have mental health and we we can all struggle with our mental health and we can all get help for our mental health and that's okay it's like you are you know what you're feeling is no less valid than what anyone else is feeling because it's so personal and individual to you and you know if you don't get help for your mental health then it is something that is serious it, it can progress and then you know eventually turn into a mental illness so it's like what 
don't ever put off getting help is what I've realized yeah no you're completely right and like it's really interesting that you say that because then I never saw anything for my anxiety until last year where I literally just hit a point where like I needed professional help and it was so interesting to me in like counseling sessions how much of my uni experience came out that I just did not even realize that I just like shoved to the back of my mind and forgotten like instance like I'd literally forgotten like the instant I just told you and then one therapy session it just like came out and I was like oh my god I forgot that that even happened and then obviously they're like yeah and how did you feel I was like like an idiot I literally felt like an idiot I felt like I wasted everyone's time I was so embarrassed and so it's really like it's so important I've seen so much talking about students mental health at the moment and the pandemic and like what it's what it's doing to you all and um I really really sympathize and I think that this is a really important conversation which is why I wanted to bring it to the podcast because I think so many of you probably feel so unheard and I do just feel like students are being so ignored at the moment as part of the pandemic and I don't know how you feel about that I just feel like everyone's forgetting that there's uni students paying thousands of pounds in fees and rent and they can't leave their bedrooms definitely and it's you know um like students have died because of their mental illness during Mm -hmm. this because they are so alone they are so isolated and they don't get the help that they need you know perhaps because all of their flatmates have gone home or you know because they don't know where to get help or just you know people around them don't see them and they don't get to know them and so they don't get to know what they're like when they're at a low point it's like students deserve attention I I mean even prior to the pandemic it always feels like students are the forgotten people and that no one cares about them because I mean it's like why is it so normalized that while you're a student you have no money and you just live off pasta like what is that so I then yeah you you bring in a pandemic and it's just students who yeah it's exactly how it fits it's exactly how I think it feels like for you all especially all of you who have gone to uni and you're in your first years and this is literally your first experience of uni so you have nothing to compare it to you you kind of it must be feeling really weird we're already sort of feeling in that space where for many people it's hard to imagine the way out of this so I just I just can't imagine but I think that you coming on here and talking about it is definitely going to help other people and also just being so open about your experiences and your experiences of reaching out and seeking um assistance and support for your mental health so I really appreciate you sharing all of that on here um of course I think the more open we are about it the more that you know people like me will change their mindsets and I think you know because it is difficult to talk about mental health because it is so personal and you know really affects you so completely I completely agree so I wanted to talk to you because as you said at the beginning you do lots of different things like you're doing so much more than just being a uni student you have so much going on you're an activist outside of this you advocate for so many different causes online and you're involved well you've co-founded um some like an amazing source that we'll talk about source was that the right word to use 
when I say sauce, I feel like it makes me think of like ketchup or something. <laughs> like a sauce with your food. Organization, page, speak up space. Space, yeah, space would have been better than sauce, wouldn't it? Would have been a better choice. Um, and I wanted to talk about um, your activism because I think you're so admirable. I think youth activists are incredible. I think the fact that you're at uni and you're dealing with everything you're dealing with right now and you're still creating space online to talk about things that are so important to share your thoughts and your opinions on essential social issues and also just to educate people you literally are educating other people by doing that so I wondered if you wanted to talk a bit about like any focus areas with your activism or any particular like causes that you're most passionate about and what they are to you well my activism journey if you like um my my activism is kind of like it's it's really accidental almost because I sort of I've always been really involved in in politics and you know I, I love all that stuff but sort of when Black Lives Matter sort of kicked off in a big way over summer I I made a post about it and then so I'm I'm from Bath and it kind of it blew up among like Bath people and everyone sort of just turned to me in that moment and was like give us more and I was like yeah okay <laughs> I'm I'm happy to you know just suddenly be be the voice of, <laughs> of black people everywhere um but then it sort of it, it turned into something better because I I realized that I actually enjoy talking about this and you know I started to get opportunities and um yeah so anti-racism is sort of is like at the heart of a lot of what I do um but obviously the speak up space is a huge huge part of my life and um sexual violence and harassment is you know um something that's really really sort of close to me and I care about a lot um I've started volunteering with our streets now as well which is incredible um they're just wow um <laughs> I think you had Maya yeah they've been you. on here they're amazing um, but yeah, you do so much great work. So interesting. I never knew that that's how you kind of got into your activism. I knew you had that um, in your bio that you're like an accidental activist, but I didn't realize it had literally been that accidental that one post kind of blew up and then people wanted an encore. Uh, but of course yeah. they did because you post great content. I want to talk about, let's talk about like the Black Lives Matter and the anti-racist stuff first, because um I feel like it'd be really interesting to know. You mentioned that in the summer there was sort of like this huge traction and everyone was being really vocal and really active around Black Lives Matter post the murder of George Floyd. And I wonder what your thoughts are on where we're at now with it at the moment and the activism and the noise that's being made or not. We are in a lull. Mm. I think I think everyone was like yeah full steam ahead in summer and they're like yeah I'm so into this oh my god look how cool this is wow I am um an anti-racist and then you know it stopped being trendy and you know the top celebs stopped posting about it so everyone was sort of like oh, yeah okay well I guess I did my work um <laughs> and it's like yeah well I did read why I'm no longer talking to white people about race so I did actually do enough and I did also post the black square so it's just you know like do we really need to talk about it more and I'm like 
I understand that it's intense and you can get burnout from it. And I'm not saying that your whole life now needs to be dedicated to anti-racism, but my God, please spare a thought. <laughs> Cause it's like at the end of the day, black people, people of color, they don't get to escape racism. They don't get to not think about it because it's, that's just our existence. It's our everyday. We have to kind of go through these motions whenever we apply for a job, whenever we walk in for an interview, when we see police, it's, it's always there. And so the least that people could be doing now is just keeping on top of things. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's like a really important thing to bring up now because what has literally just happened this week which I want to talk to you about because I just think it's been such a good example in a really ugly way of how how performative a lot of what happened in the summer was um so for those of you who aren't aware Sainsbury's released a Christmas advert I think they released three but the first one they released uh featured a black family it was a gorgeous advert about gravy literally had like um, home videos and every like I love when you watch like those old school like home videos because we all have them and they're like cute and funny but there was a disgustingly racist response from way 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 too many people to this advert and we saw a lot of like utter shock from white people like just shocked like they just couldn't believe it like a lot of white people were just like I just can't believe this is happening um and I'm really keen for you as a black person to share your thoughts on this and explain if you were shocked or not and why never shocked never Mm. ever shocked um because you see it time and time again you put a black person in the main role of a film and people are like oh but in in the book they were white even though there's just no description of what the person looks like at all and it just mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter or you know you'll create a film that has a, a black lead and it just people won't want to go see it because for some reason they feel like it doesn't represent them even though black people have been going to see white films for you know since the dawn of time <laughs> since mm-hmm. you know it's like they're it's, it's almost like white people are experiencing in, you know, um, inverted commas, <laughs> what black people have been experiencing our whole lives of, they don't see themselves in something and then they're put off from it. Cause they're like, oh, where, where am I? Why, why can't I see myself? And I'm like, ah, so now you understand mm. this has been my life just, just forever. You know, I, I see this in everything. I, I look at a billboard and it's, it's always a white person, you know, it's just, yeah it was not unexpected at all that people reacted like this um and I think whenever you are it's okay to be you know horrified by racism and upset by it but shocked shocked is proof of your lack of awareness and also it just shows your privilege as well completely is it is it frustrating when like people are declaring that they're shot I feel like what was happening when I don't know when was it like a couple of days ago was it almost felt like that day of the black squares again so like loads of people are sharing um like the majority of people that like follow me and that I know from my personal life are white people and they're like sharing their outrage um like by resharing it and saying like this is disgusting like I'm so shocked by it 
And then I'm like, okay, but what are you going to do with that shock? And like, I can't imagine like, yeah, f- from your perspective, like as a black person, like, is, is it really infuriating the more people like sort of talk about how shocked they are by it? Yeah, because mm. yeah, pe- people are like, oh, that's so bad. Wow, I hate that. I'm like, what are you doing about it? Mm-hmm. Do you like, do you talk to your friends about this? Do you talk, do you just talk to your white friends about this? You know, as a conversation, is that something that happens? Do you, you know, do you see someone on, on your Facebook timeline that you're friends with that, you know, has a racist opinion and do, do you pick them up on it? Um, like it's because it's just I don't expect everyone to be doing really hard work all the time because at the end of the day we all have our own lives but it's like there are really small things that you can be doing Mm. to kind of ensure that you are anti-racist and it's just it's not enough to be shocked anymore it's just not you have to be proactive and do something with that energy yeah exactly like turn that energy into action I think excuse me I think a lot of the problem in the UK is that people in the UK don't think we have a problem when I say people I mean white people I think a lot of white people in the UK are like they look at the US a lot and they look at the US and they're like oh no like our cops aren't shooting down black people like we don't have we don't have a problem in the UK oh my god America's such an awful place we don't have this problem here and they compare us. I just see it so often, particularly to the US. Like we're compared to the US in a lot of ways anyway, but with racism, I think because our police aren't like shooting black people. And I often hear this like being said or vocalized in some way. Like obviously I'm like paraphrasing that that there's not a problem here. And what would your response be to people that think like that? Because it's wrong, it's, they're wrong. <laughs> yeah um yeah if you think the UK does not have a racism issue you are incorrect um because I mean no our police don't shoot black people but that's because they don't have guns but you know what they do do they will beat black people to death they'll arrest them unnecessarily they'll you know it it, it's still it's still there it's still prevalent but it's like the UK I feel like the racism here is quite insidious because it's just it's not very obvious a lot of the time to a lot of people because um it it's it's voting for politicians that have a history of racist actions and the fact that it's just it it's ignored and it's put away and there'll there'll be all of these issues and it's just because I, I i did i did make a a post about this at one point because there, there was that week where just it felt like several things just sort of all kicked off. It was like you had the Guardian using a photo of I think it was Kano instead of Wiley in an article. Like no one checked it, and then you had the white BBC News reporter saying the N word, and oh it was my just, God, it, yeah. it, it was just like all of these things happening just within like the space of a few days, and you're like, are you really gonna tell me? that you know that there's not even just just a little a little bit of racism in there and it's just I think as well the UK the people like white people here are more prone to sort of microaggressions rather than you know like I don't know doing really sort of crazy overt stuff because you know Mm -hmm. people see that but they don't 
notice microaggressions. I swear I, t- I talk about microaggressions all the time, but it's just, <laughs> it's, it's one of the biggest parts of my life because it's just constant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, people being shocked at my intelligence or people being shocked because I, I talk a certain way um, or it's, you know, the persistence of like, where are you from? No, no, where are you actually from? No, right. no, but like before you lived in Bath, and I'm like, oh, I was born in Guernsey. <laughs> Interesting. Where crazy. do you want me to say? <laughs> because yeah, it's like sadly I won't tell you that I am from you know the middle of sub-Saharan Africa. It's, it's not true. Um, <laughs> like yeah, my dad's from Jamaica, but. I've literally been there once like you know obviously Mm. the culture is super important to me and that's my heritage but I'm not from there um and I think people really need to pay attention to the smaller things that are happening because it's not always just going to be n-word being flung around because that's not how it is anymore yeah I think that's literally the like that's it isn't it I think I recently read um Sophie Williams book anti-racist ally and she talks about this that racism has progressed from being so overt like it's so much more coded now it's so systemic that you can barely see you can barely see it like this is obviously I'm massively paraphrasing her like see it in um air quotes but it's like you said like the microaggressions and this is stuff obviously like I I'm white like I've only just learned how damaging microaggressions are myself and I've definitely said like problematic things that I've probably thought were like good for me to say in the past like about commenting on like black women's hair like I've had to learn so much about that and how like that is just really problematic and black women don't need me to tell them that they have like a nice afro like whether they're my friend or not like this is literally to my friends like I've said this shit in the past and I think that's just like a really like small example of like a way bigger scale of stuff that has been so problematic and is so ingrained and that Sainsbury's advert just like it's like it just exposed us in like all the ugly truth for what's like really going on over here um and like again when we were talking about the comparison of the US to here and you were saying how like the police brutality is still like real here and if people look into like the stop and searches in the UK, like I think I like, again, I'm probably going to get this wrong. People are probably going to pull me up on it. You might know. I think it's something like 27 times, like a black man is 27 times more likely to get stop and searched. It's like, I, did, it's, I did hear a big stat. It is like, like, like it's actually ridiculous. Exactly I'm sure it's in the twenties. Like, cause I remember being so outraged. And did you see the video of, um, which politician was it that got um, pulled over and she videoed? Um, was it Dawn? Was it Dawn Butler Brent? Or was it? I can't remember. I can't remember exactly who it was. As a Labour politician, she got pulled over, and she like videoed the whole thing. Um, and that's like a black person. She was saying like, "I'm a black person with privilege." I'm like, "No, I'm an MP, and like, this is what is happening." Um, and obviously, as soon as she can announce who she is, she gets treated differently by whoever is dealing with the incident from the sort of police perspective as well. Um, And I think anti-racism work is just something that, I mean, I think it's just something that this is all just stuff that should be taught in schools and like people should be aware of from a really young age. 
um like as soon as it's appropriate to like as soon as a child can like understand if that makes sense like there's been a lot of interesting conversations about like oh kids are too young to understand I'm like well I think whatever age a black kid has to know they're black and know that the fact that they're black means they're going to be exposed to racism is the same age that like a white kid can learn how their white skin is going to be like whether they like it or not it's going to directly damage and harm black people because of white supremacy like they're going to get a leg up in everything um exactly and I wonder what your like what your thoughts are on that like do you think it's something that we should be like going in really young and like should be in schools and we should be talking about from that sort of age oh absolutely I watched that really interesting documentary it was I think it was called the school that tried to end racism or something like that oh, I haven't seen um, it it was really interesting actually so they um I, I don't know what they were maybe they were researchers or something but they went into the school and they implemented this program it was literally over the, a matter of like a you know a few weeks mm. um and they basically did a test at the beginning and it sort of it tested the children's racial biases at the start and then they did the same test at the end and kind of throughout the time that they were there they were doing all sorts of different activities and they did kind of like all this learning stuff and they found that when they retook the racial bias test racial bias had significantly decreased wow. and I'm like the way you can do that over the span of just like a few mm. weeks like oh come on why we could just be putting this in everywhere and it's just you know at the end of the day obviously racism can't and until you know the systematic racism is you know destroyed and that would require sort of uprooting and then replanting but before that you have to get people on board and they have to understand um so yeah definitely starting at primary school level and I think when it when you come to adulthood reading and doing me and white supremacy is so important I've spoken to so many white people who have just said it's been completely like life-changing for them because they suddenly clocked on to how white supremacy really does benefit them and how white privilege has you know just it has been their whole life and they've just never even known and I think that's the thing is that so many people they just don't know but there are the resources out there to let people know it's just about finding them and if you could kind of put it into a, a policy or something I think we would just be so much better off yeah I completely agree and I think um I think it'd be interesting to know obviously you do a lot of work on anti-racism we've talked about how people need to be doing like and people need to be reading the books and people need to be learning this stuff and we're talking about like primary school age children then but also like if you're an adult who is willing to learn like how your mindset can change by reading a couple of books and just actually like just taking your ego out of the situation and fucking listening to people can like make the world of difference and I think like yeah people just need to like leave their ego at the door and just accept that they have been part of the problem like it's not nice like it's horrible to feel like you've been part of a problem but we've all been part like we have you've been complicit like we've all been complicit and I think that people see it as like I think this is something that has come from Sophie again her book like she sort of describes how 
white people see like being called racist as like the ultimate insult like how dare you call me racist but we've been taught to be racist like from birth like it's literally like it's just in us because white supremacy exists and racism exists and that's what people don't like understand and I think people don't want to feel like they've ever done anything or thought anything that has been racist but I mean if you're white you definitely have done like at some point like you you definitely have (laughs) And that's the thing is that a lot of people just don't want to hear it. I said, I said, I just I've said to someone the other day, I was like, well, I don't know what the topic specifically was, but we got on to racial bias. And I says that I said that all white people just naturally have a, you know, have some sort of racism, racial bias within them because of what, you know, you've grown up in. And I said, and he, and he said to me, well, do you think I have racial bias? And I said, yes. And he was like, but I don't think I do. And I was like, but you do, <laughs> you do. And he, he just wouldn't really accept it. And I'm like, mm. you just need to get to the point where you accept that you have benefited from white supremacy and you haven't done anything about that. And therefore you do have racial bias in you and that's not your fault. No one's told you, but now you need to do work and you can remove that. And it's, I, what's that book? White fragility. You need to get over your white fragility. Um, because I think that is what holds a lot of people back. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, so for those people that are like, and I think I've also really learned what you said. You said something like earlier, like quite on a lot earlier about how people were posting their black squares and being like, oh, I'm anti-racist as if it's this thing you can just like be. And like what I've really learned from online activists and books and like, trying to listen is that like anti-racism isn't like there's not like this end point where you just become an anti-racist like it's just this continual thing that you have to do and be as a white person and so it's just a a continual journey and I've also really learned that like you're gonna fuck up and like you're gonna say things and you can't just keep like skirting the conversation because it's difficult and it's awkward for you um and what would you say to people who are like going through that process and they really like you know want to be anti-racist or they want to support and amplify like black voices I know amplifying black voices is something you're really passionate about as well and they've like seen the Sainsbury's ad and they're really shocked and they're like oh yeah shit like I didn't do anything since I posted my black square like what can I do like do you have anything that you would sort of say to them where they can sort of like start with solidarity or like just showing up for black people like or being better (laughs) so I mean there's just you know there's the day-to-day of sort of like if you hear something where you you're like oh potentially that was racist even if you're not 100% sure just be like you know just say something to that person just be like maybe rethink that maybe sort of take that back unpack it a little bit that's not overly correct right Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and like you know continue to have conversations with people but you can even just do basic stuff like following black activists and creators and stuff that talk about anti-racism just so then it's just it's on your feet naturally you're on social media anyway and then Mm. once you follow these people you'll end up with a lot of resources on your feed and so it's just you'll end up with sort of quick fire stuff that you can read then and there you don't have to go to an article it's not a 10 minute read it's going to take you two minutes max and then that's sort of just information that is slowly sort of making its way into your brain um and I, you know, I think social media is really powerful in that respect. Um, then also, 
supporting you know when when a film comes out that has a black lead go to the cinema and see it because it's like show these big companies that you are not afraid to support black creations and black actors and stuff like that because then we get more of it and you know and I don't mean go and watch Green Book if you know if it's about racism and it's been directed by a white person you stay away from that um <laughs> but you know if it's it like normalize blackness you know buy from black businesses um and it's just that I don't know there are just so many small things and when when you're thinking to yourself like oh you you know you have a spare minute why don't you just like look into a, a podcast about racism that you can just stick on in the background or you know your your copy of why I'm no longer talking to white people about race has gathered dust and you only got halfway through it back like just pick it back up <laughs> and keep reading it right. um it's just you know, you're not going to have this huge moment where you revolutionize something because it's, you know, it's not about you at the end of the day. Um, but you can just be doing these small things and you don't even realize how helpful it is. And um, it, even, even in your workplace, look at who's at the top of the board, who's making these decisions if you know if you're in a safe comfortable place to do so could you pick up on you know a couple of things that you see here and there where you're like that doesn't really sit right with me don't be afraid because ultimately you need to use your privilege in order to help black people because we don't have that and you need to you need to use it and don't center yourselves mm completely and yeah I just want to say thank you so much for talking about this because I do appreciate that as a black woman this is emotional labor and I know that you said you're okay to talk about it and you saw all the questions and stuff beforehand but I am really grateful and I do recognize that there is an element of irony like in me <laughs> being white and asking you these these questions and like what you're therefore suggesting so I just want to say thank you for for taking the time to like go through all of that and talk about it and I know that it's uh, emotionally tasking for you um and I want to move away from like Black Lives Matter and anti-racism now and talk about uh, what you do with the Speak Up space, which you co-founded with yes. Phoebes, who's also been on here. Um, and the amazing space, when Phoebes came on, you literally just launched it. It was like so new. It was like this little baby account. And now it's been like, I way follow you and like you've been I've seen you shared by like other people I follow and it's become such a great space can you talk about what it is for people who don't know about the speak up space and like what you do and the sort of content you post on there so we are an online listening and signposting space so um but we also post sort of like educational and empowering contents we do a lot of like um obviously we educate on topics of like sexual violence and harassment but we also talk about you know sexual health and sex education and just sort of general stuff that perhaps you know is worth getting in there because it will then hopefully help 
prevent sexual violence in future because I think if people get proper sex education and proper consent education and all that stuff then you know hopefully things will sort of you know numbers will start to drop a little bit but the sort of main premise of it is it's just it creates this sort of casual in-between space for people because I know when something happens to you and you're like okay I don't really want to call the police that's like mm, that's just not that's not for me you know and you so you're just like I just want to tell someone be you know feel comfortable telling your friends you don't feel comfortable telling your family so it's nice to like have someone to go to that is just there specifically to listen to you you just tell your story and then um or maybe you just want to ask a question you don't you're not even sure what's happened to you like what what is counted as um or you know you just want to say this is what happened I want to find somewhere but I don't know where to go um does anywhere offer this and then we'll do that for you it's just bridging that really big gap (laughs) yeah I think it's amazing what you do and I think it's amazing that there isn't really another service that I that I personally know of where people can go and you'll sort of guide and signpost them to those services that will help them in like um, a really direct way whether that's with like reporting or with um, sort of like recovering from from an incident etc so I think the work that you do is amazing and as you said you talk about lots of different things it's not just all about like sexual violence and sexual harassment and one of the favorite things you do is talk about sex like I love following (laughs) any accounts that talk about sex openly and you talk a lot about sex education and I think I had shit sex education school. It was actually terrible. It was so bad. And it's really funny because you're like rolling your eyes. And I wanted to ask you because you're like a Gen Z and I'm like a, a, a millennial. I'm like the the back end of millennials. Um, and I wanted to know and compare our sex educations a bit to see if it had improved at all. <laughs> so I was like, right, what was really crap for me? And I'm going to ask India what it was like for her. So the first thing I want to know about is consent. Did you get taught about consent at all? What was it like in school? In your so sex got, ed, sorry. I got taught about consent in sixth form. It took me to get to sixth form for them to be like, yeah, by the way, people should, you know, ask you before they touch you. <laughs> and I was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> so, like, the, I'm really fortunate in that, you know, my mum, has educated me on that stuff and I've like mm. always followed people like Hannah Witten and stuff that talk about that but I know for so many people that that was probably just like a bit of like a moment for them where they were like oh really <laughs> I, I didn't know I had body autonomy till my 20s <laughs> like no one taught me <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah but um <laughs> secondary school sex ed pretty much non-existent yeah so bad right so and also like another thing that you talk about a lot is like lgbtqia plus um like sex like queer sex like we're only ever taught heteronormative penis and vagina sex so when I that's literally I thought I thought I was broken when I first had sex I literally thought there was something wrong with me because I thought sex was going to be like man putting his penis in me and then we would just have like a screaming orgasm together and it would be amazing, like Hollywood, and there'd be fireworks in the background. So that didn't happen. And I was like, oh, my vagina is broke. That's literally what I thought. <laughs> it's like, I, like, why, why is there no mention of like lube 
Why does everyone know? Why does everyone talk about that? India. Oh my <laughs> god, I've said this so many times. Like, why did I not buy lube until I was in my twenties? Like, oh, honestly, I can't believe, I can't believe my like first sort of sexual experiences were without lube. Now, when I like think back to it, and no wonder I hated them and they were painful. But also, like, pain was so normalized that I was like, oh, I'm supposed oh to just like be quiet about yeah. this. <laughs> everyone has normalized like when you lose your virginity it's gonna hurt and mm-hmm. I'm like I mean it might hurt but that's probably okay that means you need to stop for a minute and be like okay maybe we should get some lube and if it's still hurting after that point then you can go okay let's change position and if it's still hurting at that right. point then it's like okay let's talk to a doctor that you know like I mean ideally you start off with lube but you know if you know you don't know about that that's that's your that's your next port of call which is <laughs> I'd like yeah. I, I didn't even I didn't even know it existed until um, I first started using tampons and I was really nervous and so my mum bought me lube specifically for tampons because she was like she she just said it will, it will just make it go in easier and it will be more comfortable and then that was how I found out about lube. Oh my god your mum is a legend like I wish <laughs> I wish like I remember oh god yeah tampons no like that was an awful first experience as well because I was just terrified of anything going in my vagina because I'd been conditioned to expect pain. Which is not not so bad, right? So bad. And like you did this story recently that like I think would be sort of a really nice like ending point, like that I loved. And it was what was your um I'm gonna paraphrase, like it's about you asked people like the biggest myths they'd heard about sex. Or like oh, the biggest myth I know about sex. And I literally, I don't know who was like, because I know you all take it in terms like volunteering. I just kept replying to all of them was like, oh my God, I used to think this. Oh my God, me too. <laughs> what was the best slash best worst, you know what I mean? Best worst myth that you got from that or some of them. Like what's um, one of the, like a couple of the myths that you're like, okay, this is like, this needs to be debunked. Like this is not correct. Uh, so uh, someone said that they were told to try doing anal sex without any lube. I, I like, I genuinely think my whole body just shattered. Oh God, yeah, that I was like, that my, like, stomach churn. Terrible. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, <laughs> no, <laughs> don't do that. But like, not only is that like really just going to be very, very painful for you, but also. Ah, that's literally that could damage your body so mm. no um and then someone else said something really wacky and wild some I think it was like put rosemary up your vagina after you've had sex to prevent getting pregnant and I was like that is that what? is a tale from the nuns <laughs> that has definitely come from the nuns like that's like what and that is proper like middle ages kind of yeah like, who told you that who had they done it I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> I feel like that <laughs> because, would give me thrush. I feel like that will, can't be good for the pH yes. levels. <laughs> it's like people that use oh, Fem Fresh still, and I'm like, people with vaginas do not need Fem Fresh. And I just like clapped really close to the mic. It was probably really annoying. Sorry, everyone. But <laughs> that's how, like, you do not. And I remember my no. friends, some, not all of them, like, I remember some of my friends, the friends that use Fem Fresh used to get really on the defense about it. Like, Oh, like as if I was really gross because like I didn't wash my vagina and I'm like, it's really bad for you. And they were always the friends that used to get thrush. And I'm like, that, that shit gave you thrush. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. But the thing is though, is that I wasn't taught 
that my vagina is self-cleaning. I didn't know. And they, and they don't really kind of tell you specifically, by the way, the vagina is the whole. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, right. You know, like I, <laughs> I had to do mm. that research on my own. Like I didn't even kind of clock the different parts of like, what's the vulva and then what, you know, like what, what is going on there? But I'm like, please, please don't clean your vagina. It's self-cleaning, please. If you take anything away from this. <laughs> like honestly it just it's just a no and like, I just wish yeah so much that we should have been taught and that's why I think speak up space is great because you're there to provide us a, a service for survivors which is so essential and you provide a really like non-judgmental space and they know exactly what they're getting when they come into your dms but then also you're actively educating people like it's not all about you know people don't have to worry that if they click on your page it might be like massively triggering because everything on there's about sexual assault like there's so much on there that is just educational that is like funny like you do posts that have like literally made me laugh because I'm like this is so like hilariously relatable like um yeah I can't even think of like an example but just yeah I think the work that you do there is great and I think it's amazing so yeah, I wondered if there was anything else that you wanted to shout out, India, before we wrap up. Anything that, any other projects you're working on, or just like self plug your own page because I'll put it all in the show notes. And I also learn a lot from your page as well. So thank you for the time that you put into the posts that you make. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, I don't, I don't have anything kind of specific going on right now, but obviously if you want to check out the speak up space, it's just at the speak up space on Instagram and Twitter. We also have a website, thespeakupspace.org. Um, and then there's, there's, there's my Instagram, um, which is India Isabel, but that's spelled I-N-D-I-A and then Y-S-A-B-E-L. It's Isabel um because everyone always gets really confused and I think that's totally fair enough it's just a weird spelling so (laughs) (laughs) or if you're me I thought that was your surname before we started recording I was like India how do I say your surname she's like it's not my surname (laughs) oops (laughs) um India thank you it's been such a joy to have you on thank you for all the things you spoke about and I really appreciate you being here I'm going to put everything we've talked about in the show notes so that people can access it Um, And I really appreciate the work that you do and your time for coming on here. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Thank you so much to India for coming on and having multiple really important discussions. I really loved hearing about her trajectory into becoming an accidental activist. All the links to everything we discussed are in the show notes below as always. I hope you all have a great week. Bye.